Chapter thirty one of De Sophisticus Elenchus by Aristotle. Translated by W. A. Pickard, Cambridge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. Chapter thirty one with regard to those who draw one into repeating the same thing a number of times it is clear that one must not grant that predications of relative terms have any meaning in abstraction by themselves e g that quotes, double is a significant term apart from the whole phrase quote, double of half close quote, merely on the ground that it figures in it for ten figures in quote, ten minus one close quote, and quotes do in quote, not do close quote, and generally the affirmation in the negation but for all that suppose any one were to say quote, this is not white close quote, he does not say that it is white the bare word quotes, double one may perhaps say has not even any meaning at all any more than has quotes, the in quote, the half close quote. and even if it has a meaning yet it has not the same meaning as in the combination nor is quotes, knowledge the same thing in a specific branch of it suppose it e g to be quote, medical knowledge close quote, as it is in general for in general it was the quote, knowledge of the knowable close quote. in the case of terms that are predicated of the terms through which they are defined you should say the same thing that the term defined is not the same in abstraction as it is in the whole phrase for quotes, concave has a general meaning which is the same in the case of a snub nose and of a bandy leg but when added to either substantive nothing prevents it from differentiating its meaning in fact it bears one sense as applied to the nose and another as applied to the leg for in the former connection it means quotes, snub and in the latter bandy shaped i e it makes no difference whether you say quote, a snub nose close quote, or quote, a concave nose close quote moreover the expression must not be granted in the nominative case for it is a falsehood for snubness is not a concave nose but something e g an affection belonging to a nose hence there is no absurdity in supposing that the snub nose is a nose possessing the concavity that belongs to a nose chapter thirty two with regard to solecisms we have previously said what it is that appears to bring them about the method of their solution will be clear in the course of the arguments themselves solecism is the result aimed at in all arguments of the following kind quote, is a thing truly that which you truly call it quote. Quotes, yes quote, but speaking of a stone you call him real therefore of a stone it follows that quote, him is real close quote, close quote. no rather talking of a stone means not saying quotes, which but quotes, whom and not quotes, that but quotes, him 
if then any one were to ask quote, is a stone him whom you truly call him close quote, he would be generally thought not to be speaking good greek any more than if he were to ask quote, is he what you call her close quote. speak in this way of a quotes, stick or any neuter word and the difference does not break out for this reason also no solecism is incurred suppose any one asks quote, is a thing what you say it to be close quote. Quotes, yes quote, but speaking of a stick you call it real therefore of a stick it follows that it is real close quote. Quotes, stone however and quotes, he have masculine designations now suppose someone were to ask quote, can quotes, he be a quotes, she a female close quote. and then again quote, well but is not he coriscus close quote. and then were to say quote, then he is a quotes, she close quote. he has not proved the solecism even if the name quotes coriscus does signify a quotes she if on the other hand the answerer does not grant this this point must be put as an additional question while if neither is it the fact nor does he grant it then the sophist has not proved his case either in fact or as against the person he has been questioning in like manner then in the above instance as well it must be definitely put that quotes, he means the stone if however this neither is so nor is granted the conclusion must not be stated though it follows apparently because the case the accusative that is really unlike appears to be like the nominative quote, is it true to say that this object is what you call it by name Close quote. Quotes, yes quote, but you call it by the name of a shield this object therefore is quote, of a shield close quote, close quote. no not necessarily because the meaning of quote, this object close quote, is not quote, of a shield close quote, but quote, a shield close quote. Quote, of a shield close quote, would be the meaning of quote, this objects close quote. nor again if quote, he is what you call him by name close quote, while quote, the name you call him by is cleons close quote. is he therefore quotes cleons for he is not quotes cleons for what was said was that quote, he not his is what i call him by name close quote for the question if put in the latter way would not even be greek quote, do you know this close quote. Quotes, yes quote, but this is he therefore you know he close quote. no rather quotes, this has not the same meaning in quote, do you know this close quote, as in quote, this is a stone close quote. in the first it stands for an accusative in the second for a nominative case quote, when you have understanding of anything do you understand it quotes, yes quote, 
but you have understanding of a stone therefore you understand of a stone no the one phrase is in the genitive quote, of a stone close quote, while the other is in the accusative quote, a stone close quote, and what was granted was that quote, you understand that not of that of which you have understanding close quote, so that you understand not quote, of a stone close quote, but quote, the stone close quote thus that arguments of this kind do not prove solecism but merely appear to do so and both why they so appear and how you should meet them is clear from what has been said chapter thirty three we must also observe that of all the arguments aforesaid it is easier with some to see why and where the reasoning leads the hearer astray while with others it is more difficult though often they are the same arguments as the former for we must call an argument the same if it depends upon the same point but the same argument is apt to be thought by some to depend on diction by others on accident and by others on something else because each of them when worked with different terms is not so clear as it was accordingly just as in fallacies that depend on ambiguity which are generally thought to be the silliest form of fallacy some are clear even to the man in the street for humorous phrases nearly all depend on diction e g quote, the man got the cart down from the stand close quote, and quote, where are you bound close quote, quote, to the yard arm close quote, and quote, which cow will calve a four close quote, quote, neither but both behind close quote, and quote, is the north wind clear close quote, quote, no indeed for it has murdered the beggar and the merchant close quote, quote, is he a good enough king close quote, quote, no indeed a rob son close quote and so with the great majority of the rest as well while others appear to elude the most expert and it is a symptom of this that they often fight about their terms e g whether the meaning of quotes, being and quotes, one is the same in all their applications or different for some think that quotes, being and quotes, one mean the same while others solve the argument of zeno and parmenides by asserting that quotes, one and quotes, being are used in a number of senses likewise also as regards fallacies of accident and each of the other types some of the arguments will be easier to see while others are more difficult also to grasp to which class a fallacy belongs and whether it is a refutation or not a refutation is not equally easy in all cases an incisive argument is one which produces the greatest perplexity for this is the one with the sharpest fang now perplexity is twofold one which occurs in reasoned arguments respecting which of the propositions asked one is to demolish and the other in contentious arguments respecting the manner in which one is to assent to what is propounded therefore it is in syllogistic arguments that the more incisive ones produce the keenest heart-searching 
now a syllogistic argument is most incisive if from premises that are as generally accepted as possible it demolishes a conclusion that is accepted as generally as possible for the one argument if the contradictory is changed about makes all the resulting syllogisms alike in character for always from premises that are generally accepted it will prove a conclusion negative or positive as the case may be that is just as generally accepted and therefore one is bound to feel perplexed an argument then of this kind is the most incisive viz the one that puts its conclusion on all fours with the propositions asked and second comes the one that argues from premises all of which are equally convincing for this will produce an equal perplexity as to what kind of premise of those asked one should demolish herein is a difficulty for one must demolish something but what one must demolish is uncertain of contentious arguments on the other hand the most incisive is the one which in the first place is characterized by an initial uncertainty whether it has been properly reasoned or not and also whether the solution depends on a false premise or on the drawing of a distinction while of the rest the second place is held by that whose solution clearly depends upon a distinction or a demolition and yet it does not reveal clearly which it is of the premises asked whose demolition or the drawing of a distinction within it will bring the solution about but even leaves it vague whether it is on the conclusion or on one of the premises that the deception depends now sometimes an argument which has not been properly reasoned is silly supposing the assumptions required to be extremely contrary to the general view or false but sometimes it ought not to be held in contempt for whenever some question is left out of the kind that concerns both the subject and the nerve of the argument the reasoning that has both failed to secure this as well and also failed to reason properly is silly but when what is omitted is some extraneous question then it is by no means to be lightly despised but the argument is quite respectable though the questioner has not put his questions well just as it is possible to bring a solution sometimes against the argument at others against the questioner and his mode of questioning and at others against neither of these likewise also it is possible to marshal one's questions and reasoning both against the thesis and against the answerer and against the time whenever the solution requires a longer time to examine than the period available chapter thirty four as to the number then and kind of sources whence fallacies arise in discussion and how we are to show that our opponent is committing a fallacy and make him utter paradoxes moreover by the use of what materials solecism is brought about and how to question and what is the way to arrange the questions moreover as to the question what use is served by all arguments of this kind and concerning the answerer's part both as a whole in general and in particular how to solve arguments and solecisms on all these things let the foregoing discussion suffice it remains to recall our original proposal and to bring our discussion to a close with a few words upon it our programme was then to discover some faculty of reasoning about any theme put before us from the most generally accepted premises that there are for that is the essential task of the art of discussion dialectic 
and of examination perastic inasmuch however as it is annexed to it on account of the near presence of the art of sophistry sophistic not only to be able to conduct an examination dialectically but also with a show of knowledge we therefore proposed for our treatise not only the aforesaid aim of being able to exact an account of any view but also the aim of ensuring that in standing up to an argument we shall defend our thesis in the same manner by means of views as generally held as possible the reason of this we have explained for this too was why socrates used to ask questions and not to answer them for he used to confess that he did not know we have made clear in the course of what precedes the number both of the points with reference to which and of the materials from which this will be accomplished and also from what sources we can become well supplied with these we have shown moreover how to question or arrange the questioning as a whole and the problems concerning the answers and solutions to be used against the reasonings of the questioner we have also cleared up the problems concerning all other matters that belong to the same inquiry into arguments in addition to this we have been through the subject of fallacies as we have already stated above that our program then has been adequately completed is clear but we must not omit to notice what has happened in regard to this inquiry for in the case of all discoveries the results of previous labours that have been handed down from others have been advanced bit by bit by those who have taken them on whereas the original discoveries generally make an advance that is small at first though much more useful than the development which later springs out of them for it may be that in everything as the saying is quote, the first start is the main part close quote. and for this reason also it is the most difficult for in proportion as it is most potent in its influence so it is smallest in its compass and therefore most difficult to see whereas when this is once discovered it is easier to add and develop the remainder in connection with it this is in fact what has happened in regard to rhetorical speeches and to practically all the other arts for those who discovered the beginnings of them advanced them in all only a little way whereas the celebrities of to-day are the heirs so to speak of a long succession of men who have advanced them bit by bit and so have developed them to their present form tisius coming next after the first founders then thrasymachus after tisius and theodorus next to him while several people have made their several contributions to it and therefore it is not to be wondered at that the art has attained considerable dimensions of this inquiry on the other hand it was not the case that part of the work had been thoroughly done before while part had not nothing existed at all for the training given by the paid professors of contentious arguments was like the treatment of the matter by gorgias for they used to hand out speeches to be learned by heart some rhetorical others in the form of question and answer each side supposing that their arguments on either side generally fall among them and therefore the teaching they gave their pupils was ready but rough for they used to suppose that they trained people by imparting to them not the art but its products as though any one professing that he would impart a form of knowledge to obviate any pain in the feet were then not to teach a man the art of shoe-making or the sources 
whence he can acquire anything of the kind but were to present him with several kinds of shoes of all sorts for he has helped him to meet his need but has not imparted an art to him moreover on the subject of rhetoric there exists much that has been said long ago whereas on the subject of reasoning we had nothing else of an earlier date to speak of at all but were kept at work for a long time in experimental researches if then it seems to you after inspection that such being the situation as it existed at the start our investigation is in a satisfactory condition compared with the other inquiries that have been developed by tradition there must remain for all of you or for our students the task of extending us your pardon for the shortcomings of the inquiry and for the discoveries thereof your warm thanks end of chapter thirty four and end of de sophisticus elenchus by aristotle translated by w a pickard cambridge proof listened by guero meta coordinated by bart recording in memory of mitchell edwards